Byer here, welcoming you to Season 3. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing! Want to donate directly to the show? You can buy me a cup of coffee where your donation goes directly to support the Green Organic Garden Podcast. It helps for thing- pay for things like hosting the MP3 files, maintaining the website. It's super easy. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. What did I want to... Oh, I want to read you the Bernie letter I got this morning. So, the other day I posted about um, joining me for a minty mocktail. And I, I, I've been concerned because I do support paying workers $15 an hour. But I've also been thinking about, well, how can poor Erica, who started her, you know, new fledgling little nursery, possibly pay someone in Eureka $15 an hour? Um, you know, yes, she can hire contract laborers part-time, you know, she's not ready to go there, but there probably are lots of small businesses that can't. But what I don't understand is, um, places like Walmart, Costco, UPS, uh, Town Pump. I've been, I, I got on some website the other day and was researching, uh, who are the top 20 employers in the state of Montana. So those are the top employers. Um, and Bernie Sanders sent out a thing about Walmart this morning and how, you know, the Walton family is the wealthiest family in the country worth more than $200 billion which is more than the bottom 40% of Americans combined. Yet somehow they continue to oppose the idea of paying their workers a living wage. They think the taxpayers in this country should have to subsidize the needs of their low-wage workers who are forced to go on food stamps, Medicaid, and other forms of public assistance. This is a family that has made more than $50 billion during the pandemic, yet many of their workers reported going into work without the protective gear they needed that same pandemic and few have paid leave they can use. Um, where's the part? This is a family um, own a 4,000 acre ranch in Texas, have a $25 million two-floor condo on New York's Park Avenue. That wasn't the part. In 2005, Walmart was forced to settle a child labor law case the same year they paid a settlement for denying workers meal breaks. 2016, found you have using sweatshop labor. 2017, sued by female employees for discrimination based on gender. Here's something you might not know. Despite all their wealth, Walmart family is the largest welfare recipient in the country. While they make these huge profits, buy their cars, their art, their homes, and more, they pay their workers wages that are so low, Walmart workers need distressing levels of public assistance just to get by. A 2020 study by the Government Accountability Office found that in Arkansas, where Walmart was founded and has its headquarters, 1,318 workers received SNAP benefits, which is 3.1% of the state's total SNAP recipients. Another report showed that in 2013, Walmart cost taxpayers, that's you, more than $6 billion in taxpayer-funded public assistance. And just 40 years later, for good measure, Walmart gave more than $8 billion in stock buybacks. And this upsets me because Greg Giaforte wants to offer stock buybacks to tech companies 
or whoever the heck out-of-stater, which if Walmart in Arkansas isn't an out-of-stater and employs between 500 to 1,000 people here in the state of Montana, they can't pay them $15 an hour, but they gave $8 billion in stock buybacks. Tax-funded public assistance is what that means. This is all possible because of low wages. They pay their workers and compliments of U.S. taxpayers. So I say to you, maybe you cannot understand what it is like to make 11 or $12 an hour in this country, but your workers need a raise, Walton family. This is what Bernie says. I'm still almost all of this is quote from Bernie's email. So the Walt to so to the Walton family, I say to you, maybe you cannot understand what it's like to make eleven or twelve dollars an hour in this country, but your workers need a raise. No one can live in dignity working a full time job with those wages. And again, what I'm saying, I have worked side by side next to these people. If you can pay someone seven dollars to start, you can pay a manager who works at Walmart who has to show up and leave their family on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner to be at their night shift at midnight so the door can open on Black Friday. Friday, so you can get your sale. I know these parents of kids of my classrooms. Amazon was able to raise its minimum wage to $15 an hour. Costco's raised its minimum wage to $16 an hour. And it's time for Walmart to do the right thing. So this is why I want to have the Green New Deal party. If you want to join me for a mocktail, a cocktail, if your kids aren't there, on Thursday night at March 4th, Mike's laughing at me because I can hardly ever stay up that late, but I will stay up. Um, and there's some video we watched from the sunrise movement together that they said is like 45 minutes long and I'm not big on watching videos on YouTube. Um, but it's like a watch party and I have met people and in, you know, I know it doesn't necessarily talk about gardening and you're probably like Jackie you're off topic, but as Rodale said, we have to stand together it does affect us it affects the food we eat who's one of the biggest suppliers walmart is uh, the head of a food desert in kalispell so if you don't want a 15 dollars an hour don't you want to make sure that your small-scale farmer can pay it you're, you're willing to subsidize walmart without whatever these buybacks thing options stock options are that make it so they can have their 52 what was it 52 windows overlooking Central Park. Alice Walton. $500 million, $25 million, two-floor condo on New York's Park with 52 windows overlooking Central Park. $22 million, 4,000-acre ranch in Texas. But yet their workers are forced to rely on food stamps. This is where government protects your workers. If I didn't know parents who worked at Walmart... That uh, whose students have I have taught. If when I worked at Head Start, I didn't know people who had been there for nine years and still weren't. They were like Jackie. How come you're coming in and making twelve dollars an hour with your BA, and I've been here nine years working full times as a cook, as the bus driver, as the TA, as the teachers? Because I had a degree when I first started there. I made more than the teachers. Um, they none of these people got health insurance. They don't deserve that. Sorry, the kid I worked with at the golf course who sat there and said, my aunt, who's working her butt off, who worked 40 hours a week as a manager, waitressing in that place, and she was the manager, those are the people that deserve, you know, the Wooders Club was this, is this huge 
they charge a fortune. It's a golf club. It was $125 to play a round of golf. I kid you not. I was like, what? But you can't pay this poor woman. You can't make sure she has health insurance for the summer. Uh, she used to rely on tips. She was the hardest working. She's still, out of 53 employers I've had, she's still a top five boss. She was amazing. She deserves health insurance. She deserves $15 an hour plus every tip she ever got at that place. Um, and just, this is why I'm so passionate about it. So, no, I don't want to put small businesses out. I want to take those tax breaks that Greg Giaforte, our governor here in Montana, that people voted for, and um, give them to the hardworking people. I, I know it's hard to start a small business, and you might not, but I, why can't there be graduated things? You know, they want to give the survival checks. I'm not calling them stimulus checks. I'm calling them survival checks to people that make less than 75000 Well, how about businesses that make over X amount of dollars? You know, there, there's some accountant, there's some economics person out there. I know they have figured this out. It doesn't have to be an all or none. I mean, I do think, you know, it was $7 an hour when I was, you know, growing up. In, when I was 21, back in like 1980, I'm 53. I, I don't know, it was $3 an hour when I was in high school, but but not long after that. You know, three thirty-five when I was in high school. Then it went to seven. It's been at seven for a really long time. Eight. When you pay someone eight dollars an hour, you can pay the nurse who's helping you. Whatever, immunize your kids, take your blood, get you ready, take your blood pressure. You know, you can pay that poor nurse nine dollars an hour in the state of Montana. It's not fair. They can't buy the houses that were here. When I was in college, a house in Missoula was like forty thousand dollars. You could aspire to buying that house. You cannot aspire to buying a $150,000 or $225,000 house when you're only making $7, $8, $9 an hour. So I don't want to run small businesses out. I want small businesses to succeed. I feel like there's got to be a way, but I want the town pumps. I want the people to pay more. The Kroger's. Uh, Kroger refuses to pay $4 an hour, um, essential worker fee. The, the Kroger employees who greet you at the door that, you know, fill your cashier, uh, the, the guys whose podcast that I do, he's so upset about Kroger. They're the HR guys, Chad and Cheese podcast. He talks about how can Kroger not be able to pay? They're complaining about the slim, meanwhile, the CEO is making like $12 billion a year package or whatever, $12 billion a year, but they can't afford to pay the $4 essential pay. They're moving out of California, which personally Kroger is my least favorite generic brand. Maybe their profits are so low because they have such a poor quality. Their price makes you pay for the generic brand. That's one up. I, we have like one store that sells Kroger products. Western Family, which is now Food Club, is such a higher quality generic brand. Maybe that's Kroger's problem. I don't know. I'm totally off. But but again, it comes down to food. Um, you know, we eat Kroger food. It's what's for sale in our grocery stores here. I know in Kalispell, there's stores that sell Kroger as their generic brand. Um, 
So if if you care about it, if you want to join me and check out the Sunrise Movement, I'm willing to stay up. We could have fun. We could have a mocktail. If you want to have a mocktail a different time and talk about gardening, let me know. We'll set something up for that. But I just, Bernie sent me this letter this morning and I, I felt like it was important to share. And, and the other thing is, um, who did I see the other day? Congressman O'Connor talking about they don't have the votes. They don't even have the Democrats. He's like, you know, a Democrat can say they're not going to, but just like they voted for the senators in Georgia, they're not going to not vote for it. It's part of the Democratic platform. It's part of, it, it, it does relate to the pandemic. It is part of COVID release because so many people, when they come back on, when they get jobs, I'm seeing job applications open up. Um, there's going to be jobs out there. You know, at least we can get these conversations on the table. Hopefully we can get people who, like, again, Walmart, Costco, Town Pump, UPS, um, you know, places that are making money that can afford to play it. That's what you want to see, that they are required to play it, pay it, and that their CEOs are not making these huge, um, they're not offering whatever a buyback means, but I, I feel like I see that over and over again. I saw it in... Greg Giforte's business plan for Montana. I don't understand. Why can't we give tax breaks to entrepreneurs who are here? Let's give, instead of inciting tech companies to come from out of state, let's give those tax, let's give something to the, if there, if there's tax break money, which that's what he says is going to bring in these high paying jobs. Let's give it to the innovators who are here. Let's give it to the small bakery that's opening in my town. The Mexican restaurant that's opening in my town. To Erica, who has Joy's Greenhouse, who just, you know, posted this online store that I'm so glad to see the support she's getting. She's following the Bootstrap Farmers. Great model. If you didn't listen to Erica Tucker, you got to listen to her show. It's, it's just awesome if you have a start, thought about starting a small business. I love her business model because it's over June. Like, I looked at her Facebook page in June 22nd, I think, last year. She closed and... um you know, to me, that's a great time because there's lots of water in the spring. It's easy to access the rainwater. You're not dealing with all the weeds in August. If it seems too hard to start a a market farming business, her greenhouse is pretty little. It's amazing how many starts she's growing in her small. We have two hoop houses the size of her one hoop house. Like, I just want to do what she's doing so bad and just sell marigold zinnias and snapdragons this spring. And, and not make a fortune, but like, I just want to have, I want to build a pollinator border here and, and be able to, um, you know, maybe supplement our flower spending bill <laughs> so I can have more flowers. Cause last year it just killed me. I only had like two petunias and no, not many annuals. And yes, I have beautiful echinaceas and I had a lovely garden, but I just want more color. Um, and I just, I couldn't afford, like I found the $65 I sent her and I went through my pictures and, and was like, I, I wanted to give her more, but I couldn't afford to give her more. And I wanted more color all summer. I was like, I need more marigolds and the marigolds are going to keep my pests down. So it, it does all relate. So I hope you're loving season three as much as I have. I feel like I've been learning a ton. Um, I just got off the phone with these great apple guys from Johnny's Appleseed. I talked to this apple orchard guy in Vermont whose episode's about to release. 
um, who started with his, his little car and like a few apples and delivering, like it is possible. And now over 20 years, now he has this huge, I mean, I think he makes like 250,000 apple pies and sells them all over Maine and Massachusetts. And is it, his story is just amazing. And you might be like, why is this on here? But I know a lot of my listeners, like I was going through, what are the barriers people have had? And a lot of people have said the barrier is knowing how to start a market farm. So I've been trying to bring a, a little bit of those episodes. I know a lot of people are interested in getting greener. I was talking to these guys before a little bit of how I've been interested in posting things for kids. I'm sure teachers are out there wondering how can we, you know, incorporate more outdoor time um, this spring with COVID for our students. Like, I just feel like let's forget the standardized tests. Let's give teachers a shorter day. Let's like, what, what about this idea? I was thinking like at the school I taught at last year, there was a North bus and a South bus. So why couldn't like the, they, they just went back to school full time in February 1st. Like instead of the kids going every other day, why couldn't the North bus families go in the morning and the South bus families go in the afternoon. So the buses weren't driving. I know there would have to be that cleaning space and it would have required some shifting of, but the way like he managed to run on a four day school week because he ran his school on a four day school week. He was able to pay TAs more pay school bus drivers more, um, but also we were able to have more TA help. He was able to have more specialists. Um, you know, the kids got to go to PE every week, um, two days a week. They were able to go to music two days a week. They were able to go to library two days a week. Whereas the kids in other schools I've taught, they went to PE once every eight days. Uh, when I taught PE to kindergarten and first graders, I had the kindergartners for 20 minutes um, first and first and third quarter and the first graders for 20 minutes, um, second and fourth quarter. I didn't even get them every once a week. I only got them two quarters. They alternated second kindergarten, one semester, you know, there, there's other options. Maybe we could have picked, you know, what if, what if kids only went four days a week, reduce some pressure on teachers. Instead, we're going to add in the pressure of standardized teaching, which who does that favor? The kids who have been in the classroom the whole time. Who are the kids who have been in the classroom the whole time? The rich kids who had access to, you know, what are the Chicago teachers complaining about? Um, they privatized their custodian. So there's a guarantee they're even going to have a custodian every day. Well, how do you clean? How do parents, poor parents, you know, even pay to wash their gym? How hard it is. I think that's part of why I'm so passionate about, um, I want a rockstar millennial foundation that gives washing machines. Cause I've seen parents struggle to send their kid to school in a clean coat because you know how hard it is to keep a kid in a clean coat when you don't have a washing machine in your house. I'm sorry, third graders, second graders, kindergartners, they get dirty. Yes. Can you wash it by hand if they spill juice on it or something? Yeah. But it's so much easier when you have kids to be able to just throw something in the washing machine. I don't know how parents do it when they don't. It's expensive. Like even if we like the Rockstar Millennial Foundation, like found a way where they could buy the washing machine 
you know, like at cost for cheaper. So instead of, and they got like a, a super deal or low interest loan. So they, you know, instead of paying $10 a week at the laundromat, which is what I pay. And there's just me and Mike, I can't even imagine what a parent pays, um, with four kids at the laundromat. Plus during the pandemic, they had to go to the laundromat, which I, you know, anyway, uh, did I get to the part where, um, I don't know. I got that letter from email. I just wanted to read it because I put out that March 4th, I would host a, uh, a mocktail, a mint mocktail. Cause the only thing that survived from my planting fresh herbs and plugs was the mint, the sage and the rosemary both died, but it has been really nice having that dried rosemary on my kitchen table. <laughs> and I just, Mike looks at me funny. He's like, why do you have this dead plant here? But I just need to put it like in a jar and then I'm going to plant something else. My arugula died, of course. Did my arugula make it in the pie pan? No, I am a failure sometimes. I, I, it's interesting because you can really see the armor layer <laughs> where I didn't water it enough and the roots didn't have enough time. Like my struggle always is, um, finding the right, I haven't found the right container for my arugula and and I didn't get the water. I didn't get the potting soil wet enough to begin with. I didn't plant it thick enough. I don't know. I just struck that over. But Mike and I, we cleaned off the kitchen table. The seeds are out there. We're going to do our inventory. We've been talking like one thing I did was last year, my zinnias. So I went through all the photos two hours the other day, 965 photos I took of the garden in 2020 two hours to sort through them. I thought I could write eight blog posts on lessons I learned in 2020 in the garden. One of them was I planted the zinnias outdoors direct seed June 22nd. Now I do remember being crushed because they were just about to bloom. We got our first really hard frost September 8th and they died. So if I needed them to bloom August 8th, well, let's push. When did I plant them? June 22nd. May 22nd. If I plant the May 22nd direct seed in the ground, well, that's too early. Probably we'll get a frost. But if I planted them in cups, you know, can I have some greenhouse space? That's not... Thank you. Yeah, I'll be right there. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> Mike just sent me. I have a Zoom call starting in three minutes. Uh, if I plant the zinnias in pots May 21st, that means I don't have to worry about them right now. Um, Mike doesn't want to waste the plastic this year. The plastic in our porch, he said off the kitchen like he usually does. We have four cats now. He said last year they were. he was constantly battling cats. Spray it now. Who's got the idea of the automated sprinklers? Caroline down in Kalispell and somebody else talked about it on my show the other day. Um, it's like a, a sensor, like, you know how you have like a, a sensor hooked up and the light comes on. This is a sensor and it shoots the water and it's helping keep deer out of their garden. So, um, maybe I could do something like that, but, uh, but we're not. So he doesn't want to waste the plastic on, um, the greenhouse. Plus he said he's sick of putting it up and taking it down. Um, we haven't figured out what we're going to do with our new dog who, um, that's the only door she goes out. So if he plastics that off, he can't plastic it off until usually he cuts a door there. So anyway, but 
if I don't need to put those seeds in till May 21st and we're not going to have a free, usually our last frost is like, it's good to put stuff in the ground the week after that, two weeks after that. So I'm only really talking about two weeks. I'm not talking about tomatoes, peppers that need to go in and get started in a greenhouse right now. Um, so that's my zinnia story. I don't know about the marigolds or the snapdragons. I gotta go because I got another Zoom meeting starting. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome, new listeners. Um, I, I hope you're getting. I can't wait to release a lot of these episodes for season three. If there's a topic you want to hear about, don't forget to join Patty and I and grow live. She goes through the season, so like whatever she's doing in her garden now. We just went through fruit tree pruning in the winter. Pruning in the winter. I didn't get there. I haven't um, posted that yet, but I'll be posting the grow live she's doing. So you can hear the audio. If you have questions, please submit them to us. Um, if you want to buy me a cup of coffee, that'd be great. You can donate $5. Would really, 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 really help right now, especially. Uh, thank you. Have a great day. Cheers. Want to donate directly to the show? You can buy me a cup of coffee where your donation goes directly to support the Green Organic Garden Podcast it helps for thing, pay for things like hosting the MP3 files, maintaining the website. It's super easy. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local.